37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? How you doing? And welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal. I do believe this episode episode should be 242, I believe. It's been a hot minute, so... Yeah, it has, man. Um, our feed has kind of gotten delayed, and we have been delayed for a hundred different reasons. Um, cactus needles in the eyeball, basements, walls caving in, and everything else in between, so... We're just finally getting back to it, and the good news is this episode is going to be pretty short and sweet because I am jet-lagged and exhausted from vacation, and Preston, you've been holding the fort down, scheduling, writing new episodes for the show while I've been gone, so we just haven't had a lot of time to do tonight's episode, but that's okay, because we'll still have a good chat nonetheless. So we just got back from a cruise through the Bahamas. And while it was absolutely awesome to just unplug and get away from the outside world for eight days, I gotta say, oddly enough, it is good to be back and have technology at my fingertips. And we had a a series of delays getting back home, so this episode, like I said earlier, is going to be fairly brief because I wasn't able to come to the microphone prepared since I didn't do any homework, but... Like I said a minute ago, it's okay, because presto, while I was gone, you took the liberty to research another book, or several books, and essentially wrote our next three episodes. I did, and uh, uh, I just didn't stop at one book, so I got Amazon, and at first I downloaded uh, Bodies in the Woods, because we do a lot of missing 411, so I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be fucking fantastic, because it talks about, <laughs> like... When somebody encounters a dead body in the woods and they turn it into like the the national park or the police and like the investigation like goes un you know like unsolved and the police just kind of like fuck off with it and so it's like why uh, so that that just led in like three stories I'm like holy hell and then I started doing like cryptid encounters research and then I didn't have you to talk to because you know you're on a boat so I'm just like <laughs> well, who the fuck am I gonna talk to Steve I don't even know where this fucker's at so I wrote episodes. And then um, I got back on, and then I was like, The Third Man Factor by John Geiger, Surviving the Impossible. So when people are dying up on the mountains and somebody helps them survive, and they have like that voice, or there's like a car wreck, and somebody helps them escape death, um, and they feel like somebody like lifts them out of the car, but there's nobody there. And then mm-hmm. I got shocked. Adventures in Bringing Back the Recently Dead, which uh, goes into the science behind. Uh, revival techniques in the beginning. So, like, when we used to blow smoke up people's ass and, like, why we do it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> right. dude, that's total. That's a good book. Uh, we need that. Uh, I ordered off Amazon the uh, paperback copy of uh, the uh, Borderlands, uh, which goes into, like, Bigfoots, aliens, time slips. And then I'm like, I just can't stop there. Let me let me pick up one more book. And I got <laughs> Transcending the Titanic Beyond Death's Door, which uh, talks about all the weird paranormal events surrounding the Titanic, like uh, deathbed visions, dreams, 
uh, some spirit that from beyond the grave that was communicating that was trapped in a parallel dimension but somehow died on the Titanic. So I'm like, fuck it. Um, I'm just going to book, 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 book. I got, I got shows for days. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Son. Well, that's a really funny synchronicity there because on the ship, um, we didn't want to buy the Wi-Fi package because it's fucking ridiculously priced. It's like 200 bucks to have their onboard crappy Wi-Fi, and I just Ooh. didn't feel like I'd use it enough to really yeah. warrant paying for it when I already bought the fucking alcohol package and that. It's like when you get on a plane and they want like 30 bucks for like a four-hour flight to use like yeah. their internet, and then I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'm just not going to talk to the world for three hours, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, dude. We said the same thing, but we didn't talk to the world for like... Eight days. I guess I did get Wi-Fi in St. Thomas and sent a couple check-ins with people, but yeah, I don't know. It felt good to unplug, but while we were on the ship, we did have, you know, uh, cruise cables. We had about, I don't know, 19, 20 different channels, and one of the channels that we just absolutely binged every night when we got back to the room was Red Bull TV, and this is not a sponsored episode from Red Bull TV, but if anybody has access, fucking check it out because Shayla and I were watching tons of the most obscure documentaries about breakdancing and b-boys and extreme mountain climbing and parasailing and all sorts of crazy shit. But what I'm saying about synchronicity is I watched several episodes of different shows about the third man um, effect where people were doing extreme rock climbing or extreme survival hikes and the perils they came across and, you know, some of their stories of survival where they thought somebody might have been with them as well. So that's really kind of coincidental there. Yeah. And then on the way home, one of our uh, shuttle drivers was talking about the Titanic sinking. So that's kind of interesting that we both had those two parallels there. Hell yeah. It's like it was meant to be. Well, um, you did send me two of those new episodes you wrote, and I kind of skimmed through those. And I got to say, uh, again, sorry about the short show on this episode, but we have got so much fun shit coming up in the next uh, upcoming weeks, months. Hell, who knows? With the amount of books you bought, maybe the next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so don't fear, dear listeners, because I think we do have a good topic to chat about tonight. But before we get it started, Preston, how have you been, man, outside of buying every book on Amazon.com, how you been? Yeah, you know, I, I've uh, I've been all right. Um, we, you know, been dealing with the the foundation and getting the foundation finally settled away, and that's that's been kind of a big stress reliever. And then um, I had a, a buddy that needed to use the wood shop and to make like a project for a girl at work, and so he's been coming out every couple nights. And then as he's out there and we're drinking whiskey and smoking cigars, working like I've been getting back on the wood lathe. So I've been making like pins galore. I made the the misses a, a, a really rad looking letter opener, and uh, you know I'm ready for yeah, my that vacation. That's, cool. that's all I got to say. I'm just I'm ready for my two weeks where I can unplug like fucking hurry up and get here <laughs> October Jesus Christ yeah man I, I hear you there well let's get into it because kind of the topic on this episode has to do with the cruise we took so there's no point in me you know talking and bragging about the cruise so let's just jump into it like I said at the top not to be braggadocious but we just got back from a cruise and while we were out to sea one evening, I was out on our balcony around 10.30 p.m., um, and if you've never been on a ship, again, I'm not trying to be a braggart here, when you're on a boat out in the middle of the ocean and you step out on the balcony or look out a window, it is absolutely fucking pitch black out. 
because the sky, of course, is dark, the ocean reflects the sky, and it just feels like you are lost in some inky black puddle. It's absolutely surreal. Well, one night when I was on the balcony, I was just kind of gazing at the clear sky and looking at the stars, all bright and shiny. And lo and behold, buddy, I happened to see what I'm going to say is a bonafide UFO. And standing there on the balcony, I pretty much had like a 180-degree periphery from one side, you know, of the ship out in front of me wrapping around to the other side. So I'd say I had a pretty, pretty good, you know, view from where I was. And I saw this thing fly from outside of my left periphery out in front of me, and I followed it for about five full seconds before I lost track of it off in the horizon because it kind of went from one side of my view to the other but this thing was fucking booking it. Uh, and it was flying faster than I've ever seen anything fly before. And it flew across the sky at almost the same pattern as the way a rock skips across water. Like as soon as I laid eyes on it, it kind of, it was rocketing up kind of in an arc. And then and when it hit the apex of the arc, it came back down and then stopped and kind of steadied and just zipped across the sky. I have no idea what it was. It was flying incredibly fast. And I got to say, it kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies after I saw it. And I went back in the room, shut and latched the door to the balcony, laid down, started reading more of Jaws. Because that's right, I took <laughs> the original novelization of Jaws with me on a cruise ship, because why the fuck not? Well, anyway, I laid down, and Shayla was already falling asleep, and I just kept getting the worst feelings that somebody was watching me. For like two to three minutes straight, I just felt like every two seconds I was going to turn my head and someone was going to be standing there in the darkness of the room because all I had on was just the reading lamp by side, my side of the bed. It freaked me out enough to where I finally jumped up. I checked the lock on the bedroom. I looked in both the closets. Um, I checked behind the curtains. Your boy even checked under the bed and still found nothing. But it really got me thinking, after I saw that thing out there flying across the sky, are there any really good stories of alien abductions of people while they were on cruise ships? Well, after a quick Google search once I got back to dry land, I found out that there's really not a damn thing about people getting abducted by aliens from cruise ships. So, sad trombone right there, I thought I hit pay dirt, and I sent you a link to an article, and then I realized it was from Weekly World News, and so it was just about as worthless as, you know, bat boy articles <laughs> in the newspaper. So, wah, I got kind of... Wah, wah. Exactly, exactly. I got really disheartened, because I'll, I'll read a bit of this article here, just to kind of show you guys how I got hooked in there for a second. The first article I found is from September 22nd, 2011. And there's some interesting facts here, uh, some that are probably true. It says, 187 cruise ship passengers have gone missing this year alone. Authorities believe it may be linked to alien abductions. Now, I'm not an idiot, and of course I'll talk about what it probably is um, here in a minute, but... On the evening of April 9th this year, Martin Quimbley, 45 years old, packed his suitcase and left it outside the door of his cabin on the Queen Mary II. It was the last day of a week-long cruise, and the ship was due to dock at New York City the following morning. 
At about midnight, he texted his sister back home in London. At 12.30 a.m., he was seen by other passengers drinking cocktails in an upper deck bar. He then vanished. And since, he has not been seen. There have been a number of mysterious disappearances on cruise ship passengers in 2011 alone. Many people believe they could have fallen overboard. But cruise ship liners deny these allegations. They say we have cameras everywhere and made it almost impossible for a passenger to accidentally fall off or even jump. But the United Nations Panel of Extraterrestrials has gotten involved because Dr. Susan Begley, one of the world's leading ufologists from Limerick, Ireland, said these alien cruise ship abductions appear to be part of an ongoing alien invasion since last October. And that's where I rolled my eyes clear back to where I could see yesterday and realized, oh yeah, this is the weekly world news. Now, sadly, people really do disappear on cruise ships, and the numbers are staggering. Um, from that same year, 2011, I found the numbers were anywhere between 180 to 250 people who disappeared on cruise ships, which is probably something I might have read before I left on a cruise, who knows? But the reasons for a lot of these disappearances can vary from, you know, people jumping off, committing suicide, people falling off, people getting shoved off, clear on to, unfortunately, human trafficking. And a few years ago, before Shayla and I took our first cruise we went on, we were talking um, with a doctor at an appointment, and she had mentioned that some, uh, this doctor was female, she mentioned that some friends of hers had just gone on a cruise, and one of her girlfriends had almost been abducted by some people in Jamaica. And, you know, all jokes aside, it really needs to be something people think about. Anytime you go to any new state or especially country outside the U.S., you really need to be pretty savvy with your surroundings around you. Because what happened here was um, this friend of the doctor, uh, they were pretty well-to-do and had some money. And they went to, I guess, like a strip mall, and they were looking at a little art museum. And it was a husband and a wife, and they were serving drinks, and the, you know they were drinking, had a couple cocktails, walking around. Well, the girl, the wife of the couple, decided that she really liked this certain artist, and she wanted to buy a painting off the wall in the gallery. Well, this guy walked up, wearing a nice suit and tie, and said, "Oh, hey, if you really like this painting, I should take you next door to our supply room and show you that I have a whole other gallery of nothing but this artist's work." So the wife got excited, didn't realize the husband was clear across the um, museum and didn't hear the conversation. So the guy gives her another glass of wine and they walk out and go next door. Well, he opens the door to this other supposed supply closet to the um, art museum. She walks in. He walks in behind her, shuts the door, locks it, slams a metal door, does two or three deadbolts, and then shoves her into the back of this place, realizing there is no other art gallery, and she has just been kidnapped. Now, luckily, she screamed and yelled loud enough that her husband heard what was going on and managed to track down a police officer who just happened to be walking down the street when all this was going on, and the two managed to get into this neighboring building. But yeah, when they got in there, they found the gentleman in the suit followed by three other people who were just basically surrounding this woman, um, most likely going to abduct her against her will. So, all kidding aside with tonight's episode, you really do need to be careful where you're at, especially in other countries, and sadly, this could be very well what is causing a lot of these disappearances, is just plain and simple human uh, trafficking. 
But I did come across one story that I wanted to share tonight that was pretty bizarre, and it just happens to be about a missing person from a cruise ship. On March 23, 1998, a 23-year-old woman named Amy Lynn Bradley was enjoying a week-long dream vacation with her family sailing around the Caribbean aboard the Rhapsody of the Seas cruise ship. Now, sidebar here, what's interesting is we were on the Harmony of the Sea, and our waiters mentioned the Rhapsody of the Sea several different times, so that's kind of a, uh, a little coincidence there. Well, anyway, the vessel had departed San Juan, Puerto Rico on March 21st of 1998 and traveled to the island of Aruba. Now, during the early morning hours of March 24th, the ship was en route to its next island port at Caraco, and Amy was having the time of her life with her mother, Iva, her father, Ron, and her brother, Brad, who was 21. According to Amy's brother, Brad, it was an exciting time for her as Amy had just moved into her own apartment and she also started a brand new job. Now, despite the fact that Amy was a talented athlete and an accomplished swimmer, her family did mention that she was somewhat apprehensive about taking the cruise originally due to the fact that she had a fear of the open ocean. On the night that Amy went missing, the Bradleys dressed up and went off to enjoy a formal dinner. Afterwards on the ship, they changed into more casual clothes and went down to the ship's disco. Amy's parents, Iva and Ron, went back to the cabin while Amy and her brother Brad stayed at the disco and mingled on the dance floor. A few hours later, Brad said he returned to the cabin around 3.45 a.m., he said he was sitting out on the balcony when Amy came back about 20 minutes later, so just before 4 a.m. Brad said they discussed what they planned to do the next day when the ship docked in Caraco. When he went to bed about 4 a.m., his sister said she wanted to stay outside on the balcony. Her father said they woke up briefly between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. and saw Amy still sitting outside, but later when he woke up again around 7 a.m., she had disappeared. Amy's parents immediately alerted the crew's staff that their daughter was missing, but said that they appeared to be more concerned with disturbing other guests than actually finding their missing daughter. The captain gave Ron, Brad, and Iva the option of staying on Caraco when the ship would then sail for St. Martin, and the family made the agonizing decision to remain. Ron said when they put us off on the island, they gave us no instruction, so it was like you're off the ship, and now you have to fend for yourself. The Navy began a search, and then Amy's family and the FBI rejoined the ship again in St. Martin and conducted a search there as well. Amy's family members say the FBI interviewed them all separately and talked to many of the ship's 2,900 passengers. Several people remembered seeing Amy with Alistair Douglas, a band member known as Yellow, in the ship's disco, and then in the early hours of the morning. Brad remembered having a disturbing encounter with Douglas, however. He said, I was sitting by the pool at a table, and up walks this guy. And the first thing he says is, I'm sorry to hear about your sister. In retrospect, Brad said he found the timing of Douglas's statement to be very suspicious, due to the fact that he said there had not yet been an announcement of Amy's disappearance. Now, Douglas agreed to submit a polygraph exam, and they said he came out of the interview smiling with his thumbs up to his band members like everything was cool. 
Ron said it made me feel like I wanted to strangle him. I knew what was going on, and I knew he had been with Amy. Douglas has always insisted since then that he had no idea what happened to Amy. Her family flew home and did everything in their power to spread the word about her disappearance, including offering a $260,000 reward for information that would help lead them to Amy. Now, at the same time, the FBI deepened the investigation into her disappearance, but after hours of interviews on the ship, the FBI investigation produced no other credible leads, and the agency decided to uh, the agency did determine that it was highly unlikely Amy, an upbeat person who was excited about life, to commit suicide. One month after she went missing, Ron and Brad returned to Caraco. They passed out flyers and talked to locals, and Amy's father said he received a tip from a taxi driver who claimed that Amy was actually still alive and still on the island. The taxi driver claimed that he had spoken to Amy when she came up to his cab and asked him where she could find a phone. The driver had suggested three specific places on the island where he said that Ron and Brad should search for Amy, but unfortunately they found nothing. In May of 1999, after Amy's case was featured on America's Most Wanted, a Canadian scuba diver named David Carmichael had come forward and said that he remembered seeing Amy on a Caraco beach in August of 1998. Carmichael tells the FBI that the woman looked like Amy and described a Tasmanian devil tattoo on this woman's back that made Amy's family believe it could have actually been her. Carmichael went on to say the woman he saw was accompanied by two aggressive-looking men. The FBI believed the lead was credible and attempted to vet his story. But since Caraco was not under American jurisdiction, FBI agents found it challenging to operate on the island, and in the end, the agency was unable to corroborate Carmichael's investigation. In August 1999, the Bradley family began working with private investigator Frank Jones. Jones told the family he was a former U.S. Special Forces officer with a team of ex-Army Rangers and ex-Navy SEALs who might be able to help rescue Amy. Within a few days, he told the family that Amy was still on the island and had allegedly been spotted on the beach several times in the company of different men. According to Jones, Amy had been held against her will by local drug lords who were demanding money to release her. The Bradleys had sent Jones a total of $210,000, which included money for Amy's search, donated by the nation's Missing Children Organization. But one of Jones's men, a former Army Special Forces sniper named Tim Buckles, who had been assigned to watch the house where Amy was supposedly being held, began to wonder if Jones was actually telling the truth. Buckles had figured out that Jones was unfortunately a con artist, and broke the news to Iva and Ron. He said, I want you to know that Frank Jones is a fraud and he's down here sipping Dom Perignon on your nickel. Jones was arrested and eventually indicted for mail and wire fraud. He pleaded guilty and was then sentenced to five years in prison and was ordered to pay back the Bradley family. But Amy's family had said that Jones had taken more from them than just money. They said he had also taken time away from us being able to really search for Amy because we put all our eggs in that basket. Another former naval officer 
came forward and said that the woman claiming to be Amy Bradley had spoken to him at a brothel. But when FBI agents arrived, they found the former brothel had actually burned to the ground. Later in 2005, a photograph emerged of a scantily clad woman who had been advertising for sexual services on a prostitution website in the Caribbean. Agents pursued that lead that Amy could have been the victim of sexual trafficking, but still were unable to confirm the identity of the woman in the photo. Twenty years after Amy's disappearance, Amy's family says that they will never give up on finding her. Authorities have asked anybody with any information concerning the disappearance of Amy to contact their local FBI office or the nearest American consulate. To learn more about Amy Bradley's disappearance, watch the Troubled Waters episode of Investigation Discoveries Disappeared. So oddly enough, that is just one of hundreds of stories of people who have disappeared on cruise ships. After being on one, I could probably see why it's not too hard, unfortunately, for people to disappear on a ship. With the amount of drinks you're having and the amount of fun you're having, and you know if you're there by yourself or if you're single, it wouldn't be too hard to fall in with somebody, you know, be it romantically or just having fun, and next thing you know, you're stowed away in some closet or worse. Yeah, or, uh, you know, when you make a pit stop on an island and you get off the boat, you could easily, you know, do the... They don't do head counts when you get back on, do they? Um, I actually believe they do. Because um, when you go on a cruise, you get what's called a C-Pass card. It's like a little you know, debit card. And anything you buy on the ship, you just tap that card on the reader, and then it charges your room, and then you pay the tab whenever you're done. But when you go to get off a ship at the port, you have to... If you don't have your passport on you, you at least have to have your C-Pass card, at least for Royal Caribbean. And then when you're leaving, you have to tap that card and then look at them and they have to hold up their tablet or whatever and verify the photo is who you say you are. And then they have you verify your first name. And then when you get back on the ship, you do the same exact thing. But you also have to put any bags or carry-ons onto a conveyor where they have to scan that, you know, for bombs or weapons or, you know, drugs and stuff like that. So it seemed like a fairly, you know, tight operation to me. And right. there were a few people at the very end, you know, they say, oh, hey, we're going to dock at 7. You can get off the ship at 7.30. Make sure you're back on by 4 p.m. because we will leave at 5. And by like 10 after 4, they're asking people that they have on the docket who have not checked back in. You know, we need Mary Riley to report to deck 3. Mary Riley or we need the following guests to please report down to guest services before we depart. So, I mean... From what it sounds like to me, a layman, it seems like a pretty tight operation they're running. Right, right. But, I mean, again, when you dock, what, <laughs> what kind of sucks is you get on a cruise and you think, oh, man, we're going to go to, you know, this place and this place and that place. And you find out these ports are pretty well Americanized and civilized, and it's a lot of people just trying to sell you shirts that say, like, yeah, I went to Cozumel. And, you know, but if you really want to eat anything that's not KFC or, you know, Johnny Rockets or, um, oh, God, Alan Jackson's Margaritaville or whatever the fuck you're going to go to, you really have to kind of stray away from the port and go down to the unbeaten path to get local food. And so with the amount of people out there trying to sell you jewelry and other, you know, stupid trinkets, it's pretty easy to believe someone could just reach out one of these storefronts, grab you, drag you away before you even realize what was going on. 
And so, I mean, that's the scary part. And I don't know legally how long the ship has to stay there for missing persons. I don't know. But it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to look into that further. And it really got me thinking, like, holy shit, these are fun, but <laughs> do I want to go on another one? Yeah, yeah. Well, to finish on a paranormal positive note here, you can take a UFO cruise in Mexico. The truth is out there on the wide open seas. This is from odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Again, not a sponsor of the show. We just thought this was pretty fucking neat. Holland America is taking passengers on a trip to explore the supernatural aboard a seven-day UFO cruise down to the Mexican Riviera. This cruise will explore UFOs, extraterrestrial life, and alien contact. The cruise line claims on their website, We will unearth the truth about UFO cover-up, and we will explore the possibility of disclosure with some of the more respected researchers, investigators, authors, teachers, speakers, intuitive counselors, healers, contactees, abductees, and spiritual teachers on this planet. If you're a wannabe agent, Mulder, or Scully, you'll enjoy warm weather inside conference rooms where speakers will discuss everything from non-human communication and artificial intelligence to interplanetary souls and the idea that there's a UFO base under the coast of California. Outdoor activities include daily UFO watch with night vision goggles, an authentic Maya fire ceremony in Cabo, touring the infamous Las Labradas, petroglyphs in Mazatalan, and swimming with dolphins in Puerto Vallarta. In addition, passengers can enjoy all the typical amenities associated with non-UFO cruises, like yoga classes, unlimited dining options, and room service. Also, live music, spa and pool services, and casino gaming. Unfortunately, all booze is extra, so bring cash because you're definitely going to need drinks after hearing all those alien abduction stories. The cruise departs from San Diego on October 6, 2019 and makes stops at Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta before returning on October 13th. Now, if this X-Files-worthy trip sounds like it's up your alley, you should know. Searching for signs of extraterrestrial life doesn't come cheap. Rates aboard the UFO cruise start at $1,698 per person, based on double occupancy for an interior room with no windows. Bon voyage, Earthlings! And if you weren't paying attention, sorry, folks, that news article, again, is two years old. <laughs> but sweet Christmas, man, that sounds like something that uh, would have been really freaking cool to go on. And I've heard um, other cruise liners, too, where you can actually do, like, paranormal conventions about ghost hunting and everything else. So who knows, man? Maybe we'll start a Patreon and go on a little paranormal cruise, the two of us. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> listeners. Sign us up. Yeah. Yeah, please, send us an email or message us if you would be happy to donate to Preston and I going on an alien cruise ship. Oh, man. Well, buddy, I hate to cut it short, but that's about the 30-minute mark. We should probably jump out of here since we got a couple other things we have to do tonight before we hit the old hay. Yeah. 
Alrighty, folks. Well, again, join us on these next upcoming episodes where we're going to have lawn gnomes and bodies in the woods and everything else, cryptid encounters, all sorts of great stuff. But until then, if you're on social media, please follow us on the old Instagram at PXLParanormal. If you're on Instagram, if you're on Facebook, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Also, shoot us your own personal paranormal stories to pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We are fast approaching our 250th episode. High time for another listener story episode. And I don't know, maybe we should even do another Ask Me Anything. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Ask Me Anything. I like those. Ask Me Anything yeah, people. Me too. Okay, I'll start putting out the APBs on the old social medias. Cool. Preston, any news about YouTube? Uh, we're just straddling the line at 186 subscribers, so, cool. I mean, come on, come on, guys, help, help a fella out. <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool to get those numbers up, man, I'd like to, uh, see that break 250 here before Christmas, that'd be pretty fantastic. Yeah. Listen, folks, if you got a crusty beard, if you got a crusty tattoo, let me tell you what. Go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPA for 20% off your order. And you can get yourself Beard Bomb, like Bay Rum, Dundee Cedar, Fresh Citrus Mint Tobacco. Maybe you just got some new ink and it's burning like shit. Well, Dobbs has got Tattoo Bomb now, too. So you can, you know, protect your ink, protect your face, look good, smell good. And uh, we had a listener meet up with Dobbs at uh, Riverfest over the weekend and mentioned the show, and him and Dobbs uh, had a nice little chit-chat, and uh, the listener was like, dude, Dobbs is a fucking amazing guy. And I'm like, I know. Alan is Alan's the best. So yeah, dude. Uh, support Alan. Go buy a shit. Yeah, Alan and Hillary both, man. We just don't get enough chances to get together with them as often as um, you know we'd like but definitely yeah check them out if they're ever in town i'll definitely put out another uh, notice of that so people can come down and meet meet dobbs and hillary and check out the wares and uh yeah good stuff also if you're in the wichita area please stop by and see our dear friend leslie and the rest of the gang at cd trade post down at pawnee and seneca Alrighty, until next time folks cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it and stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.